wants UI UX that actually stands out and gets noticed, our friends at Reveal Eyes brought punchy personality to our SaaS 2022 look and feel, bringing the whole event to life, both on our website and in person. Go to revealize.com, that's R-E-V-E-A-L-I-Z-E.com for a free UI UX consultation today. Being able to trust people around you and operate with best intention at all times is a currency that now in 2022 is a lot more important than any other currency we have. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. One thing that I'm curious before I tell you about our story is how many of you already use Chili Piper? Wow. wow! Amazing, amazing. Those of you who have not raised their hands, our sales team is right there. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to uh, make sure that you're, uh, you're, you're a customer as well. I, um, br- I'm here with uh, Nicolas, and we're going to talk about uh, Chili Piper. We're now in 43 countries. We're 250 employees. We got a financial transaction recently that got us to a valuation close to a billion dollars. And we wanted to talk about some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. And it's a very, very unusual story. As you can tell, uh, we're a very unusual uh, founding couple as well. And uh, I'm going to let uh, Nicolas start. Sure. So I'll start with the uh, early days when we uh, decided to start the company. We decided to bootstrap. And you know, there's always something that goes wrong in the early days, like your website crashes, your uh, investors don't come. In my case, it was different. The first thing that went wrong is that um, I got fired by my wife. And that was in the first uh, six months. And uh, when she explained why I was fired, I uh, had to say that I was actually, uh, that she was right, that I was doing the wrong things. Um, so that's when we realized with Alina, you want to go to the next slide, um, that there's, of course, things around the product and the market, what you need to do, but there are also things about yourself. And we came up with this equation that you don't see well, but uh, that you are the sum of your talents minus your limiting beliefs and habits. And one should pay as much attention as building your talents as you do as understanding your limiting beliefs and habits. So what happened is that uh, the reason why she wanted to fire me is the next one, is that I had for some reason some apprehension and the way she described it, she said, you're sabotaging the company. And that's because every time we were looking for a new opportunity, we'd make progress and we'd say, no, no, it's not going to work. Let's, let's do something different. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And eventually, she ex- showed to me that it was a limiting belief in me somewhere that was lacking this belief and that uh, uh, we should pursue and, 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 and uh, try this avenue that we're trying. So that, that was a huge... Uh, uh, change for me to realize that I was actually sabotaging or doing things that were uh, negative. And uh, to a large extent, it's only because she's my wife that she could afford to tell me so, so directly. But what we did decide to do very early on is hire coaches to make sure that we both help people with their talents and we help them uncover the limiting beliefs 
limiting habits and, and fix them. So today we're going to talk mostly about that, about uh, talent, limiting beliefs, um, and things that have happened to us that may happen to you that you should be aware of. You want to take the next one? Do you all hear the rain dropping? It, it feels like it's a perfect uh, background no, uh, sound for, for, for that rain. story. Hopefully it will have sunshine at the end, at the end with the, the rainbow. Nicolas' transformation has been unbelievable. He's a beast. And um, talking about being a beast, I'm going to talk a little bit about labeling and how our society has taught us to label everything around us. I'm coming from a culture in communist Romania where things are very black and white. You're either good or you're bad. And if you're bad, you're going to get punished. I um, was suffering from that uh, in, 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 uh, in school because I had to work a lot harder than my peers to make sure that I can afford my books and I can afford my uh, food in front of me. I started working around when I was nine years old. And I would spend a lot of time working or either studying to make sure that I survive. As a result, I would not go to parties, I would not go to sports events, I would not go out to socialize with other people. And I was being labeled as a nerd, as, as if there was something wrong with me. And that label kind of stuck with me to the point where I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that because I'm a nerd, then nerds don't do that. It was very hard for me to let go of that type of labeling of myself and being so harsh on myself. But not only that, just finding labels for other people, because as soon as you find one, it stuck, it's, it's stuck, it, <laughs> It stacks with them, and then they don't act in their best interest. I've learned to view the world a bit differently. I view, it, I view the world in what do I need in that moment in time, what do people around me need, and see how I can um, make the world a lot better for myself and a lot better for those around me. Okay, the next one is for uh, probably a subset of the audience. Is anybody here uh, diagnosed with ADHD? Raise your hands. All right, it's a small subset, but it's a subset. So um, I've lived all my life with it, and I didn't know I had ADHD until uh, just three years ago when I was having dinner with a friend, and his son is uh, dyslexic, so he's in a special school. And he said, today I had an exam, and half of us were like that, and the other half were like that. <laughs> and I said, what other half is like that? He said, well, the ADHD people, it's a known thing, they shake their legs. And I said, wow, Alina last night was saying, please stop shaking your legs. He said, well, you have ADHD. It's a known fact, that's what it is. So I went to a book, I found a book where you can answer questions to see if you have ADHD. 60 questions, I nailed them all. I was a top guy, 60 out of 60. And then I realized that uh, all my life had been labeled lazy or all sorts of names because people don't understand that you come back, you've done, done the work. Uh, but for those who have ADHD, you know very well that you mean to do the work. It's just it's, it's something in you preventing you. So the great thing that happened is that uh, I started, because I was aware of it, I started uh, taking actions. So for example, I found that fasting during the day, so not eating until afternoon, helps me focus. I take a cold shower every morning, it sounds crazy. Soon we're going to Morocco, I'll have a chance to get a freezing shower. Um, but it, that made me realize that we have to think of ourselves, when we know we're doing the work, as um, 
brain athletes, and you know, and you have to make sure that you optimize your your uh, your brain. In my case, it's about managing my ADHD, and I'm sure in, in other cases you have other other things that uh, maybe your focus is good in the morning, not in the afternoon, and so on. So that was a big change in in, in our productivity. This one was a tough one for me. I um, grew up terrorized of fear. I had a neighbor that would drop by our house and at dinner sometimes, and he would have one too many drinks, and he would tell us stories from his work day. He was working for the Communist Party, and his job was to kill people for a living, people who were against the communist regime. And the stories that I was hearing as a child were horrifying. When you live in that kind of environment, when your neighbor's job is to kill you, if you talk badly about the government, you learn a bad habit of mistrusting those around you. When you start in that level of emotional distrust, imagine me in 2016 starting a remote-only company where you're highly dependent on those around you to succeed, you for sure have to go beyond what one thinks trust should happen because you don't have working hours, you don't have, you're not in the same location, you just have to make sure that you trust people to be their best version of themselves. And um, you get what you expect. If you, if you expect people to slack, they're going to slack. If you expect them to be lazy, they're just going to be lazy. If you expect them to fail, they will fail. The only strategy that I had was to have the best assumption that they're going to achieve the best results. And that, for me, felt like a free fall. And yet, it was very, very effective. In, the, in our case, we're now a relatively large software company, all remote, and because we, we operate on trust as a currency, It's a reward that we get back, because now everybody's reputation is online, everybody can check on you, what did they do in your previous job, they can go on LinkedIn, they can talk to your boss, they, uh, to your friends, their coworkers. If you do things that are shady, everybody's going to find out. Everything is transparent. So being able to trust people around you and operate with best intention at all times is a currency that now, in 2022, is a lot more important than any other currency we have. And it was important for me to be able to get from a low state to a high state, but I'm very grateful I was able to, uh, to uh, transform. Okay, so when we started the company, it was really about uh, taking advantage of our, of our talents and, and being free to do what we want, and we decided we'd go after revenue tech. So we started with the grand vision of going to reinvent revenue tech, sales tech, martech, and that. Um, we just wanted to do a company tech advantage. And then, as you guys know, we started hiring all over the world. And we got our first uh, trip, company trip in, in Paris, where we had, uh, people meet one another. And there's a second in Ibiza. And then we realized that there was something magical happening. We were bringing people from all over the world. And we realized that as an organization, there's a lot more than a business can do than just deliver product and software. So we decided that there would be a, an additional mission to um, Chili Piper, 
and we wanted to do good. And so what happened is that uh, in March 2021, uh, we got a call from a company called Tiger Global, and the guy came and said, uh, we want to give you 30 million, Series B. What valuation would uh, you do it? And I said a number, I didn't say a number, I thought a number. And the guy said, what about twice that number? So we did that money, and it really felt like it was money falling from the sky, you know? That, so we went to the board and we said, we're going to put $1 million to a foundation for nonviolence. And the board was a bit reluctant at the beginning, but they said, okay, let's do it. And, and so ever since, and we didn't know what we were going to do with that money, but we knew that there was more to a company than just building products and, and, and bringing revenues, that the company should do good, and we, decided, we made it uh, our mission to help the world being less violent. If you want to talk about the next one. It was 2021 when uh, we uh, started the foundation, and the goal had been at that time, and it is at now, is to end violence. With my background, you can imagine why I'm such... Uh, I'm someone who wants peace. And um, when the war started, our foundation was already in place, as if waiting for it to be activated. We deployed the, as much cash as we could have possibly could really fast at the borders of Ukraine as the conflict was happening. We uh, helped as many refugees as we could possibly help. We deployed, I think, about $600,000 and um, helped hundreds of thousands of refugees. And to me, that feels like nothing. I feel like there's just so much more that I have to do. There's so much more left that I have to fight for. And the most uh, important thing is that as a business, you can. As a business, you have a voice, you have an ethical duty to be able to impact the world positively. And right now, I feel like we're doing just a sliver of what we can do to end the war, to end so many other areas in the, on the planet right now that could be uh, thriving if they didn't have to fight for survival. Okay, we have four minutes for, left for questions, I think. These are equations, remember, you can remember that. Um, any question? You have a mic. And before we get to questions, um, there's a QR code. Let me check. Okay. Um, if you want to follow some of our adventures, um, I'm on LinkedIn. He's on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. But you'll only find the LinkedIn here. And there's also a link to the things that we're doing publicly, that everything that we build in the company, we put it out in the public, all our experiments. And uh, we hope that some That's right. learn we can, from we, them. We kind of open source our best practices and things that have worked for, for us. So you could, it's called Chile Experiments. We only show the successful experiments. You should check it out. And, uh, and, and we'll start publishing okay. the unsuccessful experiments as well and hope to uh, get crowd uh, source uh, um, Quest Questions wisdom. on any of that? Raise your hands. Any questions? This is your chance. On us, on Johnny, anything? Come on, guys, that, that burger can wait a few minutes. Uh, here we here go. We I'll hold it for you. Can you introduce yourself and your question? I'm Jen. Um, Nicola, Lena, I am wondering how hard it was to get your board to say yes. You said it very quickly. You asked for a million dollars, and they were like, okay. 
What was that conversation actually like? Um, I think the board was also in shock that we had got so much money so quickly as a good graduation. So uh, there was a bit of euphoria there. And the reaction, what they really happened, they say, how about half a million? And they say, no, 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 one million. And so it was not so difficult. I think, I think that we had the right the, momentum. We're actually quite fortunate in our board because they align a lot with yeah. our values. And um, That's right. Flashpoint works a lot with Eastern European entrepreneurs to uh, elevate their profiles. Uh, we also have Base 10 that's working a lot on racial injustice and they're doing a lot of events to elevate the voices of uh, black communities in the US. And, uh, you know, even though everybody's uh, in this economy is striving for financial success and survival, the reality is that you can't do things without helping others along the way, you lose on your values, and we were fortunate enough that they uh, aligned with ours. It's true that our investors are very aligned with us, right? Any other question? Hey, team. Um, Matt from the Happiness Index. So I have to ask a happiness-related question. Um, we observed something that um, in our data that if you're happy at home, you're happier in your work, and if you're happier in your work, you're happier at home. Um, normally, when we're measuring people, they, um, they're not married. Um, <laughs> I'd love to know um, what your happiness has been like um, in terms of working together. Ha have you observed how it impacts your happiness as uh, working at home together and, and at work? The work-home uh, happy situation, it's very uh, dear to me. I. Um, find it very sad that people spend so much time at work, basically as much as they do at home, without finding joy in what they do. So I pay a lot of attention when we're hiring and throughout, throughout the journey at Chili Piper to make sure that things that are motivating for you in life in general align with what your job description says. Because when there's tension and you're in the wrong position or you're in the wrong company, working on things that you don't enjoy is just very sad. Our life is very short. We should make sure that we spend it, even at work, on things that help us be the best version of ourselves. And to me, Chili Piper has been an unbelievable journey in that regard because I find a lot of joy in being able to affect others and having Nicola by my side to prompt me when I might not, in service, might not be in service of that mission has been critical. And I don't think that I would have been able to have somebody by my side to point out my limiting uh, beliefs if they weren't family. Yeah, same here. You see, I mentioned that these things that happened to me that I discovered by myself, I think it couldn't have happened. It would have been harder if it hadn't been from working with my wife. And we were curious. We always debate a million things, trying to understand how things are a certain way. Like uh, we drive on the side of the road, we wonder why um, houses are being built the way they're being built. And so it's great that we also share that at work. And I think that... Any other question? One more question, Nicola? Say it again. I think there's room for one more question. Room for one more question, yeah. Hey, it's Stefan from Vesla, your friends. 
So, quick question. So, it sounds like Chili Piper is becoming a people company. With a company of your size, and a it's people what? A, a people, people company. company. And it's obviously rapidly growing. How do you keep a, a large remote team accountable for their OKRs, objectives, and all that fun stuff? I find that people are intrinsically motivated not by cash, not by bonuses, not by OKRs. People are intrinsically motivated to grow. You know, it's our, our entire journey is about growth. We all want to be better version of ourselves. And if when someone starts at a company like Chili Piper or at Visa, if they don't know who they want to become, it's a lot harder to do uh, the work that they have ahead of them. So we have a lot of structure to unearth that, to find, okay, what, what, what drives you? What motivates you? What you want to do when you grow up? And that's a question I ask myself all the time as well, because that's when you find your why, that's when you find the best strength in you to do their, your best job. And that's critical. Yeah, we're actually about to invest in a new uh, software platform to better manage performance, OKR, and all that. But it's really, as Anina said, it's, not the, it's just to make sure that things are data-driven. Uh, the main driver is uh, professional growth. And, and, uh, and that when we tend to attract uh, people who are very autonomous because we distribute it like that. And, and so we, people always do the, the work. And, and it's very easy to notice if things don't go quite right and, and uh, see them. So course, it, it seems like organically it's working uh, beautifully. Um, of course, we also have uh, um, our annual trip that's there to motivate people. I've got to mention it because it's two weeks away from here. So last year we went to Tulum. We had a big party. It was amazing. And I'm sitting there drinking tequila and people say, well, how are we going to beat that? And I'm thinking, we have to do something different. We can't just party more, because we've done Ibiza the year before, and I don't know, maybe on the moon you can party better, but I, I, I you know, I look at Croatia, but I didn't seem to be Tulum. So we say we're going to do something different. So we're going to go to the desert of Morocco. And it's fucking amazing, because we have chartered two, fly, two Boeings from Royal Air Maroc to fly all our employees into the Wazazat and the... 72 SUVs to get to the desert of Morocco. At the time, we didn't know what the hell we were going to do in the desert. <laughs> but it's okay, we have Alastair to do the DJing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we decided that we're going to make it a retreat on, uh, on nonviolent uh, culture. So doing uh, reflections on, on the world of nonviolence. We're going to publish these things. Uh, it's an experiment. Uh, we'll, we'll think. So you can come online on our website and see what happened to the Pipers lost in Morocco. I'm sure it'll be fun. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Great. Thank you. Yeah, Nicola, Nicola and Alina, I would still like to thank you guys uh, because of, uh, for me, my personal goal, my mission as a presenter is actually to help deliver heart, heartfelt experiences. And how do you do that? By you know, opening up and showing your vulnerable side. And this is actually the first time, at least that I witnessed, has been done at SAS Talk. So thank you for opening up so much. And um, you know, I think that really helps making the world a better place. So uh, awesome company. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events 
to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.